In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, our midweek show here. John and I will be back on Friday with our normal AEW and NXT review show. And on Monday, we put out a show with Dave Meltzer talking about the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. We talked about UFC 255, which is this weekend. And then even going back to last week, uh, we had John Moxley on talking about some UFC. So it's been a pretty good couple weeks of shows, and we're going to go all the way through uh, the Thanksgiving week as well. Uh, we'll have a show on actual Thanksgiving. John and I are going to review Survivor Series 1996, which is a little bit of a lead up to January when we are going to start covering wrestling uh, Monday Night Raw's uh, 1997 shows. So uh, also the next week we'll, we'll have our normal show on Monday, which is our WCW Saturday Night Review. But um, I, I interviewed someone who I don't know how many people are aware of, but I, she's kind of caught my eye, uh, Keela Cash. She has been doing her uh, Russell Soaptopia uh, podcasts, and she's kind of a one-woman machine with how uh, with her reviews of the shows. So I, I interviewed her, and... It's going to be um, sort of like our content creator series, like this show, which I didn't even mention. Uh, going to uh, drop in uh, Andreas Hale here in a second. But uh, I, I ha- I'm i going to put the uh, the Kila show on Monday because we're doing the, the Thanksgiving show. So I, I just I didn't want to have three shows next week. Just wanted to have two. So I'll bunch Kila up with uh, the WCW Saturday Night Review. So... It's going to be crazy. Uh, also, I just wanted to you know let folks know, uh, for folks who are in the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, we are actually going to have a conversation with Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer Figure 4 website on uh, WCW, uh, WCW um, Death of WCW. So we, we're kind of doing like a book club thing. I've, I've mentioned it on, on our opens of the show before. But basically, people who are in that Facebook group, we all read a book, a wrestling book for a specific month, and then we have a conversation about it. And luckily, we had Keith Elliott Greenberg uh, for for last month, and now we have Brian Alvarez. Like they're you know they're coming on. They've agreed to come on and do a little interview Q and A, and people from the uh, the book club can ask questions too. So that is. A good reason to to sign up for uh, the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. You know, we have a great community, and you can uh, you know you can do stuff like that. And I just wanted to mention that because we will actually put that out as a podcast and probably 
on the YouTube channel as well, but that won't be for a couple weeks. We're going to do that interview and then it'll be out in uh, in January sometime as a podcast when uh, when we need it. So all that being said, this was just a quick introduction for my interview with Andreas Hale as part of our content creator series. Andreas, I've talked to him on Wrestling Observer Radio twice now. He is uh, he is really the the guy on Twitter who I go to when I need sort of a temperature check of of how things are going. And he, he's really great on Twitter. He's a, a culture guy. He's a wrestling guy. He's an MMA guy. He's a boxing guy. He's a sports guy. He's a hip hop guy. All of the things that really resonate with me, he is uh, on the cutting edge of. So let's toss it to my interview with Andres Hale. All right, bringing Andreas Hale on our show to talk about some of the stuff that he's been doing. Really interesting stuff. Andreas, thanks for jumping on and uh, let's let's get started. How you doing? Doing all right, man. I can't complain. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Yeah. So for those who know, who follow me on The Observer, we had Dave and I had Andreas on a couple different times and that conversation was a little bit more related to what was going on in the world. And we'll, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that stuff, but I really wanted to bring Andreas on because he is a content creator extraordinaire in the world of wrestling, MMA, and uh, boxing. And those are all the things that we cover on Fight Game Media. So I thought this was a perfect opportunity just to check in because uh, you're doing, you're doing a lot of stuff right now. I, um, I recently saw that the po- the podcast uh, wrestling with stereotypes, which you also did the uh, the session at Starcast. Now that is a podcast, how did that come into it? Well, I mean, we were supposed to do wrestling with stereotypes at WrestleMania weekend uh, before the For the Culture show, and when COVID hit and that all got shut down, um, you know, it, it didn't seem like there was going to be another Starcast for a while. And Conrad reached out to me and said, "Hey, do you want to turn this into a podcast and do it on, you know, ad-free shows?" I thought it was a no-brainer, you know, considering that I don't know when we're going to get to do our next panel. It might as well keep the uh, the name of the brand alive by doing uh, two shows a month with different subjects and about their journeys through pro wrestling as a minority. So that's how it came out. So we did our first show with D'Lo Brown. Um, our next show is with Rich Swan, and we've got a bunch of other people on tap. So we're, we're actually touching all demographics. So I know a lot of people are like, is it just going to be African-American wrestlers? No, it's not. We're, you know, we're reaching into the Asian community, the Latino community, the LGBTQ community. Like we're going to dig deep in this and everybody that's ever had to deal with a stereotype in the wonderful world of pro wrestling, which is just everybody but white males. So this should be fun. No, it sounds like a great project. And it kind of comes um, not too far away from the podcast that you did with The New Day, which I mentioned somewhere that I thought was, you know, the best wrestling podcast of 2020. And and really so much, it wasn't even about wrestling. Like, have you gotten a lot of feedback continually about that? Because I know it was on like the WWE Network or something recently. Yeah, they finally posted that on the network. So yeah, I mean, the, the feedback has been remarkable. Um, you know, I can't thank those guys enough for having me on. Granted, the circumstances weren't the ones that I'd like to be on the New Day podcast. You know, me and, me and Woods talk about video games. I'd love to talk about video games or pro wrestling, but you know, the George Floyd situation and racial strife in America, um, 
I appreciate those guys bringing me on and the fallout from it has been, you know, the response has been great. I think a lot of people uh, didn't understand, you know, the plight of African-Americans without us being angry. And I think this was a, a podcast that we had to do where we just were kind of wearing our feelings on our sleeves and we weren't necessarily mad. We were frustrated. And from that has come great response. I mean, you know, those guys, Biggie still, you know, he's wearing the gear and that's supporting Black Lives Matter. So it's, it was a very important show. So I'm glad to see it. I'm glad the WWE ended up putting it on the network. Um, I just hope we don't have to do another one of those. That's what, that's the scary thing. I just hope we don't have to traverse those waters once again. Well, not, not to bring up election related stuff, but I thought it was interesting because on your Twitter, it was either on Twitter or Facebook or maybe both where you were basically saying, you know, just because this change has happened and, and Donald Trump is going to be out of office, it doesn't mean that, you know, things automatically change and, and that, that we can't still fight for the things that we need to fight for. That's, that's true. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, you get excited because uh, Biden is assumed because it's not official yet. Uh, Trump's never going to concede, but that's that. Uh, but you assume that things are going to change. But you have to remember, like police brutality has gone through multiple presidents, you know, mm-hmm. Clinton, Obama, Bush, Reagan, the other Bush. I mean, it, it doesn't stop there. And that's like your local legislation, the judges that you have to vote for. There are so many things that are involved in this that it's just not a president. My only concern was that we had had, I guess I'll say had, we had a president that would endorse um, like white nationalism wouldn't really say anything was wrong with it. Um, you know, outright xenophobia. So those things that empowered a base that felt very comfortable saying and doing the things that they were doing. But yeah, the fight doesn't stop there. You know, even when Obama got elected in 08, I remember I was working at BET and there were so many people that got so excited. And I was like, guys, listen, he's just the president. The president doesn't wield that much power. You still have the House and the Senate. You still have your local officials. You have so many things that you have to go through in order to see change. And it's just not one individual. So hopefully, yeah, celebrate for now, but get ready because the battle's not over. Right. So. There is uh, uh, another project that you have coming out. And when this interview plays, the pre-orders will already have gone up. You are working, you and other authors are working with Shea Serrano on a project on Halfway Books, which is an amazing name of, of, the, of the publisher. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Uh, just I, I know you wrote your piece on uh, Kendrick Lamar, but like how... how I'm trying to envision say, uh, Shay's uh, idea for putting all of these essays together. Are they sold as like separate PDFs? Like, how is that whole thing going to work? So, yeah, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I saw Shay Serrano, who I've been a fan of his work for the longest time. I love his books. I just love the tone that he writes in. He had posted a tweet one night asking for um, submissions because he was starting a publishing house. And, uh, you know, just pick an album that you wanted to write about and give me a pitch in 100 words. I think it was like two in the morning. I was drinking whiskey and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. It was like three sentences. And then a month later, I contacted him. He was like, hey, bro, I really enjoyed this pitch. Would you be interested in doing this for, you know? And I was like, sure. I, I, <laughs> I I'd actually completely forgot that I had sent a pitch to him. Um, so, yeah. So there's five authors. Each of them picked a different album, and the the narratives are all different regarding the album. Mine's on Kendrick Lamar's The Pimple Butterfly. 
And if you've kind of followed me through my career, and if you haven't, and just what we're talking about here, we're talk the the essay is basically about um, the significance of it, considering the racial and social climate of this country. So that's my piece. But there's a piece on Big Tuck. There's a piece on the roots is Do You Want More? There's one on Little Kim's Hardcore. And I believe the other one's on Biggie's Life After Death. They're all sold individually. Um, and they're, they're PDFs. But we just got word today that there has been consideration to turn these into um, hard copies. Hmm. Um, so pre-orders go up on Monday. Uh, by the time a lot of people listen to it, they can see the links there. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody grabs it and reads it. I've read everybody else's essays and there, there, a lot of work was put in this. Like we had heavy hitting editors. We had a researcher. This was a this was an undertaking. And um, I mean, I hope everybody enjoys what I wrote, but I have to advocate for everybody else because the, the whole crew has been excellent with the things that they wrote. Yeah, I'm definitely picking up yours, and I am uh, interested in in the others as well. I think it's an it's it's a creative way to put something together. It's um, 2020, right? Like we're we're putting out content. You know, Shay is the king uh, of, of doing this stuff of just being super creative with his podcast, with his pieces, with his books, and you know, it just feels really uh, 2020 is the only thing I, I can think of. Just just really creative so let's get to the pro wrestling boxing mma stuff here uh what are your backgrounds with each of those three sports so it's wrestling technically i you know maybe not a sport but what what are you what how, how did you get into all three of them oh man so i'll give you the i'll try to give you the condensed version so i grew up in New York as a pro wrestling fan, as a little kid, my grandmother used to take me to the garden. So I was always a pro wrestling fan and it was my gateway drug to watching people get beat up. And that's what <laughs> basically led me to boxing. Uh, my grandmother's full blooded Italian white woman who loved Ray Boom Boom Mancini. So anytime Boom Boom fought in New York and I'm kind of aging myself here as it, but I was like a kid. I remember the, the house gathering to watch Mancini fight. And then it became Ray Leonard and Hagler. And then it became Tyson. And that's when I became becoming my own. And I, so I fell in love with that as this was happening. While I love watching those people get punched in the face. My father brought home a undescript, indescript VHS tape of UFC one. And I happened to pop that in. I was like, Oh, more guys beating people up. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. So I've always loved all three of those, but my career and journalism started in hip hop and I've been covering music. I was the editor in chief of hip hop DX, hip hop site, worked at BET, worked with Jay-Z on Life and Times. Um, but as I was transitioning through music, I always was trying to implement combat sports and pro wrestling because I feel like there's always been that parallel, whether it's two MCs battling on the corner is very similar to, you know, two guys in the ring fighting. Um, there's always been references in music to like Ric Flair or to Mike Tyson or to Floyd Mayweather and Anderson Silva. So I always felt like those roads crossed each other. And when I started working with Jay-Z, he's a huge boxing fan. And that's kind of how I got hired because he was like, you're the boxing guy. You're the you're the one black reporter that I've seen at all these boxing matches. So would you be interested in doing documentaries for me? Um, so I did documentaries on uh, Connecticut Lovkin, Adrian Broner, um, Cub Swanson and talked about him being adopted. So it just it, it felt natural to transition into out of music, even though I still do it, but into combat sports, because when I talk about like wrestling with stereotypes and when I talk about these things and representation, 
I noticed that there weren't that many people of color covering these sports. And I noticed that there wasn't a ton of people of color that talked about pro wrestling. But that what the interesting thing was, when I worked at BET in New York, all of these people love pro wrestling. All of these people love MMA and boxing. They just didn't know how to get in. So I wanted to kind of open that door for, you know, young writers of color, uh, male and female, to document these sports. So that's kind of how I got in. And from there, you know, I worked with I worked at Sheridog. I've, I've done stuff in May Weekly. I've done stuff on Fight Magazine, Ring Magazine. And just all of a sudden, you know, it all culminated with me working at The Zone and Sporting News, where I'm at today. But it's, it's always that cross-pollination of entertainment and sports that keeps me going. And we should mention the podcast that you do with Kel, The Corner, which is also on the Blue Wire Network. That's a wire reference, right? That That's the name of the podcast yeah well it's yeah kind of it's uh the the corner is a reference to both the wire um common song the corner okay and the idea that everything happens on the corner when you're talking on the corner with two guys are battle rapping when you're sitting on the stoop and hanging out with your friends and shooting the breeze about you know water cool talk about if mike tice could beat muhammad ali all these things happen on the corner so that's where that, that came from and it was just two black guys you know I saw Kel, I was like, oh, snap, it's another black guy that covers boxing and MMA. And I was like, we talked for a while, and I was like, look, man, um, we should start a podcast. And the idea actually came from those who know who Combat Jack is, uh, who passed away. Jack is a good friend of mine, and Jack used to always give me hell because he said, why don't you do a podcast on combat sports? And I was like, nobody wants to listen to that. And he was like, no, I do. So he's the one who gave me my first start and it was like and pushed and pushed. It took a year of him bugging me to for me to finally give in and do it. So we were originally on the Loudspeakers Network. And, you know, thanks to him and God rest his soul, he was an amazing individual. He was the one that was like, We need your voice in combat sports. Uh, we need a person of color. So that's where that all originated from. All right. So if we get off of MMA and boxing and wrestling just for a little bit, forgive me. But when you name drop somebody like combat jack that is like he's he's legendary in this field like i i listened to an old interview that he did with d nice that i i, I, I he probably did, he probably it, like, did it like i don't know, I don't know. five or six years ago and it was still like absolutely tremendous for this time. Like, I mean, how do you how do you know him? Like, how do you guys go back? Because he really is a pioneer in this field. Yeah, I mean, Jack. Jack is a legend, man. And I met, I was working at BET, and I'll give you guys a condensed story of my time at BET, which was the worst job I've ever had in my life. I hated it there. But I met so many great people. And I met Jack while I was in New York. I think I was at a Joe Budden show or something. And a friend of mine, mutual friend, was like, you need to meet Jack. And this is before Jack was doing anything podcast-wise. This is him in flux between being an attorney for like Rockefeller Records and trying to transition into media. And um, we kept in contact. And, uh, you know, Jack has always been a fan. But when I left BET, I left on terrible terms. Um, I was actually in page six, six of the New York Post because I departed with like a scathing letter of how BET was just a horrible company. And um, Jack reached out to me and, you know, he said, listen, I want to make sure that you are present because I left New York, came back to Vegas, was in combat sports. But he was like, I've always enjoyed what you've done for the culture. And that's Jack's thing for the culture. And he's like, I need you, your perspective on things that are, you know, politics and sports, 
where other people aren't around. And Jack was working at the source at the time. Um, and I started writing for the source and we just stayed in contact. And, um, yeah, man, it, it, like his passing, for those who don't know, he passed away of ca- cancer. I think it was been three years ago. Um, he came to Vegas for a UFC fight, uh, with his girlfriend and I, we missed each other, but it was the day he was going to tell me that he had cancer and I actually missed him. And he flew back and he, he hadn't told really anybody, but he called me. He was like, yeah, bro, I just wanted to see you one last time because I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. And then I think four weeks later, he passed away. If uh, anybody has listened to the Gimlet podcast, uh, Mogul, he was deeply involved in that, right? Yes, it was. He conceptualized that because uh, the first show was Chris Lighty. Um, and I mean, Jack, if anybody listened to the Combat Jack show, you don't have to be a hip hop fan to enjoy what Jack does. His, the way he goes deep on these interviews and talks to these people, it's, it's no nonsense, but it is a little lighthearted in some ways, but he gets information out of people that you would not get anywhere else. And the man was a true content creator. And I, you know, I only aspire to be somebody like Jack. That man was incredible. You know, he'd give you the the coat off his back in freezing tundras uh, if he saw you were cold. And that's just the type of guy he was. He'd like to open doors for people. And I just hope, hope to follow that same path. All right, let's take a break to talk about Indeed.com. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means Every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Which of the three wrestling boxing MMA that we're talking about which of the fan bases or even the athletes involved do you feel relate better to the to hip-hop culture because boxing has such a you know boxing technically is kind of an old sport when it comes to the fan base uh, pro wrestling as well MMA is a little bit younger but the demographics of MMA as far as the fan base is probably a lot different but do you sense which kind of leans a little bit closer to a hip-hop culture i have to say boxing but it's not very close because the the storytellers in boxing um are mostly older white men and they they kind of tell these same old stories so that you know uh, the black boxer the minority boxers are poor grew up with a single parent had to fight their way out of poverty to become a world champion and that's not all of our stories so but the fighters themselves who happen to mostly all be minorities um they all have a connection to hip hop in some way, shape or form. And, you know, from the younger talents right now, the Ryan Garcia's and the Devin Haney's to the guys like the Floyd Mayweather's of the world, there's always been some remnants of hip hop culture that's been embedded in them. I mean, Mike Tyson was hip hop. 
you know, for better or worse, that's just what he was, a volatile figure. But at the same time, his, his braggadocio and his abilities and everything he did, you know, was screamed hip hop culture, you know, going to Dapper Dan's to fight Mitch Blood Green, like the crazy things that Tyson did was very reminiscent of hip hop. MMA, I think, is the furthest um, from the fan base to some of the fighters to the the journalists and pro wrestling, I think, falls in the middle. And I think especially at this time, we're seeing more minority pro wrestlers doing extremely well. And we see, you know, the R-Truce of the world, and the New Day and Leon Ruff. And you see all these guys that are doing great things and they happen to be huge hip hop fans. I mean, that's me and Big E. That's um, he's a good friend of mine. And we never really talk about wrestling. We talk about music and combat sports. That's like our conversation all the time. Okay, so let, let's focus a, uh, a little bit on wrestling because I'm interested in you know just talking about how, how you became a fan. But who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Bret Hart. Interesting. Yeah. And from that perspective, uh, is it because of the you know how old were you were when you were watching, or is there something else that really made him you know link up as your favorite? So as a kid, you know, well, it's between Bret Hart and Randy Savage, but it was Bret Hart because he was smaller um, and he was technically sound. Like when I used to watch WWF, you know, obviously it's Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and these, the, the land of the giants. And when I saw his work rate and the things that he used to do in the ring, um, the excellence of execution was like, I wanted that to be my rap name because I was like, that is so dope. He was never like the greatest promo ever. But then, you know, between that, the feud with Austin, uh, his rivalry with Mr. Perfect, th- there were so many things that Bret Hart did, and especially with the Hart Foundation, wearing pink and black. I felt everything that Bret Hart did was counter to what you thought pro wrestling was at the time. So as I grew older, I appreciated his work more and more. And I will, you know, I argue on this hill. I was just like, he's the greatest wrestler I've ever seen. I've, he makes people look good. And that's the other part of that I enjoy is what can I do for other people to make them look good? And if you wrestled Bret Hart, he wasn't, you know, taking liberties for himself. He was going to make you look like a million bucks. And I appreciated that out of him more than anything else. Is your favorite match also featuring Bret Hart? No. Um, man, it's so tough. I don't know what my favorite match of all time is. I get stuck on this all the time because I can't decide if it's a new Japan match. I can't decide if it's punk and John Cena because of how (laughs) unpredictable that match was. Um, but, but well, you know, maybe cause Brett and Austin, I remember watching that live and I was just like, I've never seen a double turn happen so effortlessly. Yeah. And, and my friends who weren't pro wrestling fans, I used to force them to watch it because I was like, you can't come to my house unless you watch what I'm watching. They were like, is this real? They couldn't figure <laughs> it out. And when you can, when you can accomplish that as a pro wrestler, I think that's what takes it to another level. So I think Brett has a match in, in my top five all time. I don't know if it's number one though. You've gotten some really cool opportunities to, I imagine, cover good, great shows or whatever. Like, do you have a favorite live show that you've ever been to where you were just like, man, you know, this is exactly what I what I've always wanted to see in a pro wrestling show? You know, strangely enough, it's one of the smallest shows is PWG. I've never had more fun than at a PWG show. And I've been to eight WrestleManias. Um, no, maybe nine. Um but PWG just 
being in that sweaty ass leaving that <laughs> warehouse and the incredible work, you know, guys like Ricochet, um, you know, uh, God, it was so many watching Roderick Strong, watching Kevin Steen back at PWG. When I went there the first time and was saw how passionate that crowd was and drinking a full ass pitcher of beer for like five <laughs> bucks, that was for me, that's that's underground hip hop. That's yeah, what it's all yeah. about. That's that's what I loved about PWG. Yes, WrestleMania is fantastic. Yes, New Japan shows are great. You know, I've seen, you know, WCW, all that stuff was fantastic, but Nothing is like the grit and grind where you see guys that are working for it. And it's, it's not like they're compensated already. They're putting it all on the line just to entertain us. So I love that aspect. The only PWG show I ever went to was when they, the first show after they moved buildings, uh, when they went away from the Reseda building into the Globe. That was the only PWG show I've ever been to. So, yeah, you missed the, the charm. And listen, man. If you, if anybody listening has ever been to that, that warehouse, it is sweaty. It is, there's no air conditioning at all. Everybody's sitting on top of each other. It's awful sounding, but in practice, it's just absolutely something you'll never forget. But while you're there, it's like, I remember walking in with, you know, actually I had Ronda Rousey come out to that PWG show where she chopped Tommaso Ciampa, fifth music. I can't remember. But through a friend of mine, I was like, you guys should come to this show. And they came, and that's where that TMZ headline came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember she was there, and she was sitting maybe three rows in front of me, and she looked back, and I was like, are you enjoying this shit? And she was like, yes. She was like, this is what it is. She was like, I love this. But you're, you're pouring sweat. You just it, at, at the time, you're like, it's, this is like six hours. When's it going to end? But when you leave, you're like, I want to go back. I got to see this again. So it, it's just an unbelievable experience. So one thing I like about boxing is the big event, like the biggest fights just feel like the only thing that matters on that day. I think, you know, you've seen pro and and WWE do a pretty good job of that sometimes as well. But I always fall back on, you know, if I had to pick one, I'm probably watching the gigantic boxing thing live and everything else sort of comes behind that are you the same way or do you prefer you know a a big wrestling event to a to a big gigantic boxing event no i agree there's nothing like a big fight like the main event of a big fight i love ufc cars and mma cars because they're they're great action through and through but when it comes to like a floyd mayweather fight or a big heavyweight fight just that waiting for the walkouts and the energy that's in the in the the arena it's there's really there's nothing like it and I, I put that up against anything I've ever been to. I've covered the Grammys. I've covered, I've been to Sundance Comic Con. I've done everything, movie premieres. I've done award shows. Nothing is like a major boxing match. Nothing. So I know you're gigantic into, into culture. Uh, you mentioned your, you know, music being your, the first thing as far as your career. Why are you still with these sports rather than writing about Hollywood or writing about, you know, more uh, other music stuff? Like what keeps you sucked into to these sports? I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest with you, it's like as I got older and, you know, I have a daughter and I'm married. Um, entertainment, is, it takes a lot out of you. You know, you know, there's been times where I've had to hang out at a rapper's studio for like seven hours to get like a 20 minute interview. And that just, it wears on you. And I think there's always, there's, there's a million people in that space. Whereas with, with boxing, like 
I really appreciate people who do things that I would never do. Right. Like rappers can rap. And, you know, if you wanted to, yeah, there's terrible rappers out there. Anybody can rap, but anybody can't fight. And anybody that anybody who's willing to put their body on the line and their health on the line, something that I won't do. So I prefer to document it. So when I even with pro wrestling, you know, for years, I've had to convince my father is like, listen, it's scripted, but it's not fake. And I had to have him sit down and watch a New Japan show. Um, I think it was a Young Bucks Red Dragon match. And he was like, he was like, they're killing each other. I was like, dude. This is for this is for us to enjoy. Like people who do that, I, their stories are, are profound to me. Because why? Why would you do this? Especially in 2020. Like why are you still doing this? You can play football. You can do anything. You're willingly hurting yourself for somebody else's entertainment. So mm-hmm. it, it's it stuck with me. And it's just the, the carnal. I just I just like watching people get punched in the face. I just can't help myself. I just can't help myself to violence. It's it's just something about it when there's two people just going at it. And the best man wins. And even in pro wrestling, it's like an art. It's like violent ballet. Nothing beats that. You know, entertainment is full of facades and and just fraudulent people everywhere. And it's just like I just wore down from that. This I think I can do until I'm old. Is some of it the fact that wrestling and music, I think, have this underground culture that you were talking about where if you want to, you can kind of find all the things you want to know about wrestling that you didn't know when you were a kid. Like there's these secrets and, 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 you know, the way that they speak and kayfabe and all this stuff. And not everybody really knows about it or can learn about it in, 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 uh, in an organic way like you did because your interest was so high. It's almost like you have a knowledge that a very small secret group of people have. Yeah. I mean, that's been something like as a kid, you always like, what's behind the curtain? You know, that's what I've always wondered. Like, what the hell? How do they book these matches? And, you know, even when you as you get older, it's like, well, how how they you know, I just talked to Mick Foley today and we were talking about Hell in the Cell. But I was like, dude, like who who booked this shit? Like, I'm always wondering, like, how do these things happen? So the intrigue of the unknown is I think pro wrestling's greatest theater is that there's still so many things that people don't know about the business. And then once you kind of dig in and me, I'm not like a dirt sheet writer. So I have no interest in spreading the secrets. I just want to know them for myself. (laughs) And those things are intriguing to me. So yeah, just like, you know, underground hip hop culture and digging deep to find your favorite pro wrestler that nobody knows. That's like, there's something so special about that. You know, when you spot the young bucks, years and years and years ago and you go tell somebody like dude this might be the greatest tag team we've ever seen they're like man get out of here but then they watch them and then you're like see i told you it's the same thing with rappers like you know when i was big on kendrick lamar when i first met kendrick which was in 09 before he had a single project out and i heard the music and i was like i can't wait for the world to hear us hear this but i used to joke with him like you're too good to make it you're not gonna make it because being great is not uh, talent gets you nowhere in the music industry, but then he ended up making it. We still joke about it to this day. I like that experience of being able to find things that other people don't have. What do you think of the AEW versus WWE? It's like people sort of having to 
pick sides and choose which you know which company the young upstart where you know people are like oh that's not how wrestling is supposed to work you're not supposed to do 55 dives versus you know wwe's kind of like blueprinted style of wrestling like where do you fit with that whole argument it's absurd i mean you should just be able to like what you like and I'm a, you know, I criticize things. There's things on WWE that I don't like, and it's always going to be that way, but everything's not roses at AEW either, but there are some beautiful moments on both sides. I think all pro wrestling can be great. And I think you should experience and enjoy it all to spend your time on social media or wherever you're at saying that one is better than the other. It's pointless because at the end of the day, it's like, all I want to see is good matches on and any, any show that I watch, I just want to see it all. And I just want to see, what the the greatest foot that they could put forward that's what i want to see i don't need to say i hate this one granted wwe has been on the shit list for a lot of people for so many years but for good reason mm-hmm. but you know i think they needed to be pushed and aws helped push them and i think competition helps but i'm the guy who watches both i will never just say oh i'm not going to watch this when, when impact like when TNA first came around, I was, you know, I watched that every week. It's like, why wouldn't you? I don't understand why you have to pick a side. What do you get out of that? You don't win anything. Do you feel like AEW is sort of going to be what they are, which is they're going to hit that same number of 800,000, fans? Or do you think there's still an opportunity for them to peak higher and also maybe even dig into WWE's lead even more because I think there's some folks who think like, okay, they found their audience and that's where they're going to be. But I, I, I do hope that there is a possibility for them to continue to grow. I mean, I, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're ever going to catch WWE. That's too much of a m- machine, but is there an opportunity for them to get a little bit closer? Absolutely. I mean, I think people tend to forget that AEW's only been here a year. You know, it's not like they've been here five or six years. Even, you know, WCW back in the day, it took them so long to catch up. Like, they've done this in a year, which is a remarkable accomplishment. And in doing so, especially with the video game coming out, there's so many opportunities for them to continue to get better. And at the same time, there's so many opportunities to screw this up. So I think if they keep on the same path and adding talent and, you know, I don't know if they're going to add another show Whatever they're going to do, I think the opportunity is there because fans are salivating for wrestling. And I think we've seen that, you know, even though NXT and AEW are on Wednesday nights and they go head to head. But for a lot of people, including myself, that's our wrestling night. Monday and Friday is like, all right, whatever, I'm just going to watch it. (laughs) But on Wednesday, it's like, well, what am I getting out of this? And I think what AEW has accomplished in just a year's time and a few pay-per-views it's incredible. I think this, the sky is still the limit. This isn't it. All right. So we'll wind this thing down. But I do have some questions on uh, dealing with this quarantine that we are in, this shutdown. What is a tip or two that you can tell the audience that you know you and your wife or you and your family and friends use to just stay sane and stay disciplined? Um, that's a good question. Strangely enough, because like my wife is in law school, so she remains busy even with virtual law school. And with me, for whatever reason, ever since this quarantine started uh, with COVID, I've been busier than I've ever been. I've been <laughs> me too. It just doesn't make any sense. For the first few weeks, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. You know, even at the zone, we didn't have any fights. So I was like, what am I going to do with myself? But 
if you find ways to stay creative and find ways to keep yourself engaged and entertained, your days go by a little bit faster. And I also have to say, having a daughter helps, you know, because there's somebody else running around my house all the time that I have to mind and watch after. So that keeps me sane because I can't lose my mind because she's here and she's four. Um, but, I, you know, I always say find ways to be creative. I, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I don't go out a lot. And I just got a PS5 and an Xbox. So, yeah, I'm finding ways to keep myself busy even when it's not working. Did you uh, did you put uh, 2K into the PS5 yet? Of course I did. What are you, nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine is coming uh, tomorrow, I think. So Yeah, no, I'm... I'm listen, this, that could be a whole other show. I, yeah. I get, video games is my other terrible addiction. And I, I literally bought... I think I've bought... I bought 2K, Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, Spider-Man. There's no way in hell I'm going to play these things. I can't play yeah. them all, but I have to have them. Right. It's just the way I am. Okay, so what's your 2K mode? Are you all about the my career, or do you uh, go into the wreck with your buddies? Like, how do you play? No, man, I'm a seasoned guy. I play, yeah. I play by myself. I'm not... Listen, I grew up with Nintendo before online gaming started. Like, even if I play online Call of Duty with my friends, I turn my headphones off because I don't like talking to people. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a very single-player RPG adventure type of guy. So when I play 2K, I'm playing a season by myself. And, and what's your squad? It changes, man. Free agency ruined the NBA for me. <laughs> so for a time, it was, uh, you know, the Cavs when they had LeBron. Then LeBron went to Miami, and I hated LeBron for doing that. So then I became, who was it, the Timberwolves for a little while, and the Sixers. So right now, I have, I'm playing with the uh, Pelicans because I think it's, they have a young squad that's extremely fun. Um, they're not a top team. That's the other thing. I'm an underdog. So I like to pick teams that can barely make the playoffs to see what I can do. So I like that squad with Ingram and Drew Holiday. Who knows what the team's going to look like by the time the season starts. But And then Zion. Why? I mean, the guy's a monster. Yeah, I, I feel like they have to trade Drew. Um, because his, not, not only because, you know, he, he is a little bit older than this core will be when, when they're great, but his value is like at an all time high right now. And I think they could get something really good for him to, you know, continue to add to that young squad. Yeah. I mean, listen, we fantasy book the NBA. If you're an NBA team and you're looking right now, it's like, well, we're not beating the Lakers, right? Like that's the first thing you're saying is like, we're not beating the Lakers. We're probably not being the Clippers. We got a few years to mature. Brandon Ingram's coming into his own. Zion's coming into his own. Drew is a little bit older and he's a valuable piece for a lot of teams, especially in the Eastern conference that want to make the playoffs. So you could be able to get a haul for a few draft picks and maybe a couple of role players, and then you free up some cap space, and then you do something with it. I mean, you got to keep that core together. You can't blow it up like OKC did with Harden, Westbrook, and, and uh, Durant, and then right before you peak. I think if they play their cards right, they could be a threat in a few years. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. All day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all in one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. 
All right. Give me a recommendation of something you've read, something you've watched, movie or TV show, podcast and music album during this time and that you just think you thought thought was amazing. Uh, Benny the Butcher's album is what I've been listening to in terms of music that Hip Boy produced. It's, it's, it's an incredible album. Um, I've always been a fan of the, the crew Griselda, but this Hit Boy's production gives them a certain polish that uh, gives them a brand new audience. What have I watched? I, wa- I consume a ton of television and it's ridiculous. But, um, oh my God, what is the name of that, that documentary on HBO about the theme park? Action theme park. If you haven't watched that documentary, please do yourself a favor and do so because that theme park was downright frightening. People were dying, but it's a, a very well done documentary. Um, book that I've read, uh, Cast. It's a book about the cast system. Oh, I can't remember the author's name, um, but that's a book that I've read and you have podcasts. Whew. I still listen to the New, New Day podcast. I just really enjoy those three guys and their banter. Yeah, the the... The mogul one that I mentioned, if you haven't listened to that podcast, oh man, like, you know, Gimlet Media does such a great job at those narrative style podcasts, but Chris Lighty, who, I mean, I knew who Chris Lighty was, but I didn't really know who Chris Lighty was. And that was tremendous. And I hope that they continue that mogul series. Um, but, you know, I, I, I imagine it's it's going to take some time for them to do that if they can, if they keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the one with Chris Lighty, and they, I think they did one on Jack after his passing. And uh, it, there's a lot that goes into those podcasts. So I'm sure it's not over. I know the guy, Chris Morrow, who helped put that all together. Um, and yeah, I hope to see that again. I listened to that before the quarantine, so I didn't mention it, but it's one of my favorite podcasts because just the sound bites and everything going on, it's, it's incredible. Amazing work. All right. So where can people find all the stuff that you do? You need like a, a one stop shop website where it just has all the stuff that you're doing, all the places that you're working. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. So I just say, uh, listen, uh, d- uh, follow me on Twitter at Andreas Hill. I tweet about all this nonsense that we've just talked about. Um, I'm at the zone in sporting news where you can find a lot of my work, uh, the corner podcast. That's the name of the show with me and Kel Dansby on, uh, blue wire. So that's, you can find that on wherever you get your podcast, wrestle with stereotypes on ad free shows. And the pre-order for my book uh, will drop on Monday on halfway books. So I'll tweet out all of those links. So just kind of follow me on social media and you'll get everything you need. I will also put the pre-order link in the uh, show notes on this show. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate that. All right, man. Really appreciate you coming by. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. So, uh, yeah. So good luck with everything. And uh, I hope you get, I hope there's more, even more opportunities as if you need more work coming out of this, uh, this halfway books project. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me.